Hello, my friends. I am really looking forward to sharing episode eight with you of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I really thank you for tuning in and paying attention to your own health and well-being on our self-care podcast. For those of you who are now living most of your lives online or your lives are just different in some way. And for all of us, we have been impacted by this shift and change in our environment over the last few months. I'm really happy to be sharing my friend, Steve Mark, his assuredness, his attention to detail, his ability to laugh at himself and the world around him really makes him just such an enjoyable person to be around. So thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy our conversation with Steve Mark this week. Welcome back, everyone, to Living Well While Living Online. I'm your host, Tammy, and I'm super excited to have our guest, Steve Mark, here today, a dear friend of mine from years back in the yoga community. Steve is um, a teacher in in and out of everything he does on the mat, which we can certainly talk about, but also in the classroom as a college professor, uh, and so much integrated of mind-body in everything that he does and how he approaches everything. So Steve, thank you so much for your willingness to be here this week. So happy to be here. Great to talk to you. Yes. Um, If you can give our listeners a brief overview of yourself, anything that you'd like to share so they have a little context of who you are and where you're coming from. Okay. Well, I am coming from my home office like so many folks right now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I teach at Housatana Community College in Bridgeport. Um, and I'm teaching from my home in New Haven uh, there. I also teach yoga and meditation, have done for some time. Um, and I've been teaching online for a number of years. Uh, I do a lot of work um, in my, what I like to call my mortgage paying job, um, trying to connect my yoga and meditation life with kind of a more traditional classroom context in a way that's kind of um, available to students from all kind of belief systems and levels of experience. Um, yoga enjoys a lot more mainstream acceptance now, so it's a little less that they're like, wow, oh, you teach yoga, but they're always intrigued when they find out, teach, oh, you teach yoga, and then they have a lot of questions, and we sort of layer that into the class. So um, it's a really interesting time to be teaching, as anybody who teaches knows. Um, as I'm sure you know, we're all learning to do new things and learning to navigate new ways and learning to guide and support our students in new ways, so it's mm. exciting and sometimes a little overwhelming. Yeah, and when you say students, that could both mean your students in your classroom and your students on the mat yes, because absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely impacting all of us in ways we couldn't have imagined and for sure pushed us. I mean, just, I can just look, you know, in my background as a fitness professional, the things that I have learned, like which microphone do you plug in and how do you zoom and get it to just your voice and not your music? And it's things that I couldn't imagine, right? And so um, I know that everyone, I, I know that our community at Quinnipiac is using Zoom. I think you probably have some software and just yeah, getting the technical. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, the technical piece alone is frightening for us, I, I think. So the interesting thing for me has been learning to connect with folks who aren't in the same real-time space as me. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm very much an embodied teacher in, in my college classroom. And my students will tell you that they don't know where to find me in the room. I'm constantly moving. And that's because, you know, you're talking and I'm walking over to you and I'm walking over here and I have lots of nervous energy anyway by, by nature. Caffeine or not doesn't make a difference. Um, and so this has been interesting for me because I'm used to getting kind of immediate feedback, right? You can look at a student's face. You can, you can see them kind of looking quizzically or the head tilt to one side or the hand kind of half raised. 
and I'm I'm working mostly asynchronously, so we, they may be coming to see me at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been really an interesting challenge to learn how to teach to folks I can't see in real time. So I was joking yeah. with a friend the other day. I'm like, I've gotten really good at talking to myself in my office, like staring into a webcam and being like, hey, everybody, welcome. Um, but I also think that's vitally important to our students for them to see us as people, even though we're not in the same physical space right now, many of us, or we're in that physical space for less time than we normally would be. Um, mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how do I, what we call it in the business, dissolve the screen. Like, how do I be more of a presence like I would be in a classroom? And how do I get them to be a presence in that way and to connect to one another just as important? So it really is interesting, as you're saying, like I talk about, it's like talking to the void. And so you're out there and you're speaking and you're like, hey, and you know, it's the show is going on. But I am so much like you. I love everything that you said. Like as a, as a teacher, I'm a wanderer. I'm a toucher, right? Yeah. So I've got to, yeah. this has been really hard for me to be like, no, you can't go into someone's space and touch. Um, So it is like a lot of relearning our habits of how we do things. Yeah. And that first online yoga class I did, I was like, you know, setting up the space, thinking what it would look like to someone else. And then thinking, again, I can't read folks. I mean, yes, I can see their little squares and gallery view, but in order to do this well, I have to focus on the teaching and I'm going to have to language a lot more, right? I'm going to have to do a lot more kind of step-by-step verbalizing and then count on and, and imagine what folks might do that I don't want them to do or in terms of safety, right? Like, right. so be careful here and when you're twisting, blah, blah, blah. So it's a whole different way of thinking. And initially I was like, I don't know how this is going to roll. And I'm like, no, they're still out there. And I can kind of, for lack of a better term, feel them out there and, and mm-hmm. work with that energy. Because I think a lot of us as teachers, we feed off the energy in the room or on the, on the mats that we're sort of like, oh, you know, and there's that give and take and that's harder to get in this environment. So thinking a lot about that, providing that and also selfishly getting that back. So I'm like, hey, are y'all out there? Do you hear me? Is it making sense? You know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've been talking to people in, in along these conversations about energy and, and how it feels. And I think for you and I in our world and what we do, we talk the language of energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it makes sense for us. And so you've already like, this is, you know, sometimes deeper in our conversation, but you've already dove into the energy conversation. We're right so we're going, we're going there. Um, <laughs> and so it's hard, like for me initially having that screen there, I was feeling like it, being the energy is being sucked out of me, right? And when you can't feel somebody like you're, you just so eloquently described like that energetic exchange and it's a give and take. Like if, when I can't feel that, it's so depleting and so hard. So you are feeling, do you have a way that you are kind of combating that? Are you yeah, yeah. empathizing with me or you're like, I don't know what you're talking about? No, no, I, well, 1000% <laughs> empathize with you. Um, I, I think that. There are a number of ways that I've combated that or kind of navigated that. And and one of them, when we made that emergency pivot, like so many colleges did in, in March, and as our yoga studio did around mm-hmm. March or April, I initially said to the, the, the primary studio that I work out of, I, I said, I, I'm not going to do this for a while because I'm trying to navigate video world with my college students. And that is consuming all of my bandwidth. Um, I also am a department chair. So I was also helping other folks to navigate that, you know, holding space for them. Um, and still trying to get through. So in the beginning, it was a lot of, of saying to students, I know your lives just got upended. So I had students who had perfectly stable job lives that just didn't exist. I mean, you know, service workers, so many college students, I did it, put themselves through college waiting tables, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Being bartenders, you know, working in a grocery store. And then, so 
for some of them, there was too much work. For many of them, there was suddenly no work or having to rethink work. And so I knew that I couldn't say to my students, you must be, we, we were here from two to three twenty on Monday, Wednesday, you have to be here in that space for that time. I was like, that's just not realistic and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not compassionate. So what I did instead was make in opportunities for them to work in their own time, but also every Monday, Wednesday from two to three twenty for this one particular class, I was there and I tried to, we, we didn't do a traditional class. A lot of it was just me saying, hey, how's everybody doing today? What's what's up? How's today been? How's this week been so far? How are your classes going? You know, how's your family? And people would just kind of, anyway, would joke around. We got to know each other's dogs and cats and parents and oh. kitchens and all kinds of great stuff. Um, and then I think it's also for me as a, as a professor and, and also as a yoga teacher, checking in pretty regularly, probably more than I would, like giving little informal surveys where I was like, What's working for you? What do you want me to keep doing? What you what, what do you want me to stop doing? What do you wish I would start doing that would help you? How's how's technology working out for you? Because I think often, particularly when I'm working with college students, there's this kind of like anxiety about being the first one to say, I'm not getting it, or I'm not comfortable, or I feel isolated. And so many of my students, they were yanked out of this really vibrant community. This class that I'm talking about, we we were jamming together. Like we had a great community. We, we loved up on each other. You know, we, we mm. gave each other great feedback and we told each other the truth, but we knew each other pretty well. So when it, we didn't come back, there were I, the first thing I did with my students is I did a quick survey and I said, what are you most looking forward to? And what are you most worried about losing? And almost, almost universally, one of the things was, I'm most looking forward to working in my pajamas. <laughs> at that. I realized the other day I haven't worn anything but shorts mostly except like when I'm working since like April, which is awesome. Right. Um, but at some point I'm going to have to put like regular grown up pants on again, but that's a whole other story. Um, and the thing they, nah, nah forget it. It's going to change how we all dress. We're all going to be schleppy at work. Yeah. Here. I, do you like my plaids today? Um, I also found that the thing they were most concerned about missing wasn't relative. Like I'm not going to learn the material. It was like, I feel like I'm not going to be connected to you anymore. I feel like I'm not going to be connected to my classmates anymore or my friends. And so that was a really good kind of like, I already was sort of in the periphery for me, but I was like, oh no, this is serious. If I screw everything else up this semester, I got to get that right. I have to give them a place to reconnect. And so we did spend a lot of time just, and, and me checking in, how am I doing? And not in a sort of a nervous, insecure way, but like, I just want to make sure this is working for you. And if there's something else I can do, I do it. Um, we started using the Remind messaging app last semester, which is almost works like text messaging. And they could just send, shoot me a quick thing. Hey, I'm working on that assignment and I'm really struggling with this. Or could you take a look at my draft later or whatever it might be? Or let me know when something really serious was going on in our life. Not that I can solve that, but at least I could acknowledge it and say, here's a place I can refer you out. Here's what I can do from you for you on my end to make that a little bit more manageable. Like I can kind of shift a deadline or whatever that might be. Um, so I think it's, it's so much of, I mean, you know, this with, with yoga and fitness work, right. And with, and with classroom teaching work and all your interactions with students, it's about showing up fully. Like it's always about that. It's about that online. And it's just that you have to be so much more thoughtful from the beginning. Mm. You have to kind of like front load it. Like, and then when you realize something isn't working or it's not enough or it's it's causing stress, you have to be willing to go, okay, so that's not it, <laughs> right? On the, on the fly. So, yeah. And so the, everything that you're talking about, yes, 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 a thousand yeses. Because communication, A, I love that instead of you saying, okay, this is how it's recommended that we do it here – 
you asked the, for the feedback and you said, you know what, we maybe we have to put learning on hold and take care of some other things. And I know I just had a small little class running. It was a fitness class. It was spinning. We couldn't do spinning from our living rooms. They didn't have bikes. Right. So I, yeah. So I said, okay, here's how, you know, we're going to do, what do you want? Yoga, meditation, you tell me, and that's what we'll do. Do you want an right. app class? Do you want to whatever? But the first class was just like you said, tell me where you are. Where are you learning from? Are you okay? Who are you with? Like, I want to know what's happening. Family. And, do you feel okay? Yeah. yeah. And what was so nice was the evaluations and the feedback that was something they commented on. And so you and I are, we're more intuitive, right? That's yeah. intuitively what we asked for. Look, you know, if I were to do it again, that's a hundred percent what I would start with because success, <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't know Nate, you know, I think you're a little more intentional than I am probably, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm willing to like kind of roll with when it comes at me. I guess I would say you know and, and yeah yeah I try to be intentional, but I'm also like wow this is a hot mess you know like and right fair enough to say that hey, hey folks we're in the middle of a pandemic nobody knows what the heck they're doing and I think what I saw some instructors do and I and I started to do it myself initially was I'm afraid my students aren't going to have this robust serious rigorous classroom experience or I'm afraid mm -hmm. my yoga class is not going to be juicy enough. So let me just layer a bunch of stuff on. And that was the last thing people needed. What people needed right. was a clear structure, a simple structure, support, you know, compassion. And it wasn't about letting students get over or, or dialing it down. It was about we're in this moment. Whatever your, your coursework is, whatever your, your material is, how can we meet that moment from where we really are? Not try to act like this is English 101 in a regular semester. Oh, hell, it's not. No, and it's never going to be. <laughs> And so you, I think some of us maybe did a little bit, I don't want to say damage, that's too strong, but we, we unintentionally caused, caused anxiety for, for some of our students because we were trying so hard to, to be so out there. And we also did harm to ourselves, right? We were like, I got to get this. And maybe we weren't sleeping or we were worried about our elderly parents or our neighbor or ourselves, right? So I, I think if, I hope if we've learned anything in 2020 across the board that we've learned a little bit more about. You said it, intentional is a great word, being more intentional about our compassion. Um, and for me, I, you know, I think the way I was socialized, and I think there is some some gendering around here, it's definitely a Western thing for sure. Um, if someone has a problem, you want to solve it right away. You know what you can do, Tammy, here, you know, one time. And that's a really noble, sweet thing to do. But sometimes what folks just need is for you to say, God, that must suck. Right? Mm. So if you leap to the advice too quick, then they're like, okay, I didn't need more stuff to do, man. I'm already overwhelmed, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the balancing act of being able to hold space. You know, when we do want to solve, we're problem solvers and our students on any level come and we want to say, call, call this one, go here, go here, here. Referral. <laughs> 17 <laughs> strategies. But yeah, really all yeah. they might need is just a, a spot to, to yeah. unload and someone yeah. who's listening. So yeah. being able to adapt through all of this, I think you're right. Being intentional, but being more adaptive in in how we deliver. I think you and I could both say we do the same things, even though every year is different and every group has a different dynamic, we know how to do our job. And I, I love how you said, like, we have to finish English 101 as we started it. You know, that ability to kind of step back and be like, ooh, we might not get it done this year. That, that we were, we, I had a hard time letting go of that. I know so many people Super did. But, um, but yeah, but we have to, you know, I think that's... Yeah. that. And I, so I was, I had the privilege, I guess, or the challenge. Um, in, in part of my work, my work life at Housatonic, I advise the student media, right? And so one of the things we do is we do all of this online content and we do a print magazine. 
Not sure mm-hmm. quite yet. What's, nobody wants any paper from somebody they don't know. So <laughs> right. is on hold for right now. Um, we'll probably do a small run and I'm calling it kind of our COVID yearbook, you know, like what happened to us in spring. Oh my God. Um, so it was a really interesting challenge because it's like you said, I had this whole thing mapped out and really good reasons. And so we did the pivot in mid-March and I, I, lo- I remember looking at my syllabus and I kept desperately trying to sort through the rubble and trying to rebuild from the same materials. And I was like, dude, you just need to throw the whole thing out. And if you grab a couple bricks here and there, that's awesome. But what are the things that are most, here's the thing that I think is wonderful for all of us. It is a great crystallizing moment, right? You're like, if I can only teach one thing this semester, what's that thing going to be? You know, if my students only walk away with one thing and I was like, I want them to record their living history. I want them to record that history to feel like they got a chance to sort of say, here's what was happening in that moment and to reflect on what it might mean moving forward. And I basically threw out the whole second half of the semester and rejiggered the whole thing. And that was scary, right? For me, it was probably a little scary for them. I was like, and I kept saying, we're all going to figure this out together. We're just all going to figure it out together. And I kept reminding them and I kept, I had these great principles that I borrowed from some guy at UNC and I sort of credited him and said, this is where we're going. We all have to show up. We all have to be patient. We all have to be compassionate with each other. I said, I'm going to screw up for sure. You're probably going to screw up at some point. Your classmates are going to do things that you didn't really like. Can we all just take a step back for a minute before we go on the attack and say, but I want it, I need it. That's not what I had in mind. And just kind of go, wow, this kind of sucks for all of us, you know? So learning to do, I mean, what a powerful lesson, especially for younger folks, you know, like. Oh my, and we're still learning it. I mean, you know, every day. (laughs) Every day is new. It's insanity. Um, You've talked a bit about being in the classroom and you're in classroom style. So if, if the world hadn't changed mid-March, how much of your life was really online? How much of how much was kind of the behind the scenes? How much was in person? Okay. Just, just as a general overview, I'm just trying to get yeah, us to understand uh, how much has changed for you in uh, your life. Pretty radically. So typically, um, my work as department chair would have been, I mean, I would have been doing some reporting and planning, obviously, that could be at home in my home office and sometimes better because you get interrupted 74,000 times. Lovely interruptions, but you never get anything done. So I tried to generally make my time that I'm in my office on campus time that I was interruptible. And when I really needed to do heavy thought work, I was home doing that, right? Like where I couldn't be interrupted. Um, I I taught because of my, I have a split load. I'm a department chair, so I have a half load. So I was teaching two classes. One was generally online. One was face-to-face. My yoga teaching was face-to-face. I miss my yoga folks. Um, I know. So it was it was an upheaval. I I had the advantage over some folks in that I understood what it meant to work in the online environment, um, and had done a lot of. I'd been doing it for like almost twenty years at that point. I was one of the early adopters, and honestly, I went wow. in. Like, what are all these people on about? No, no, that's not going to work. I'm going to get in so I can see everything that's wrong with this. Oh wow! Okay. I, that, I, well, I, I was saucy, and then <laughs> I started doing it, and I was like. I, I kept trying to like redo things I did in the classroom. Like, oh no, this is a whole different game, but it's an interesting game that does different things. And then I started to become more and more interested about the interplay. So I've always been interested in how technology and learning work together and how they complement and also undermine one another in some ways. Like, okay. you know, um, and so that I went into, I can tell you that this COVID semester, this COVID year at, at this point, um, for me in my my professional life, it has made me rethink the way I do all of my classes. 
And I went in with some knowledge. And so my online classes, I think I'm much more of a, I always worked hard at being a presence. I always recorded little videos. This semester, I've been really conscious of the fact that these students maybe are taking this class because they didn't have a choice. Before, online students self-selected. So we assumed they were a little bit more so self-directed. They needed some foundational work in the beginning, but they maybe didn't need as much of that personal, not that I wasn't personal, but I didn't do as much connecting. Like I didn't try as hard. I was like, okay, I'm going to connect in a way that's asynchronous. I maybe don't need to know as many videos and I don't need to do live sessions. This semester, I've been doing a lot more of that. Um, right. and the response has already been like, oh, you're out there. Great. Oh, you know, I'm out here. Great. And so really thinking about that, um, I think, and I'm sure all of us could speak about anybody who does any kind of work is thinking about this now. Um, the, the major change for me is that the shape of my day has become very amorphous. Um, and that can be a wonderful gift and it can also be a trap. Um, mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I'm up at six o'clock in the morning and I find I've just spent two hours doing said project. And I'm like, oh, I meant to get up and meditate and then <laughs> read my book for a little bit and then do that. So, uh -huh. what do I do? so let's take a step back. Let's now do that now. <laughs> now I'm going to take my walk with the dog. I don't have a choice. That's a great thing about having a dog. You have to go no matter what. Yes, um, absolutely. They're a great reminder. And I'm going to regroup. And what I hear from a lot of folks is that, and I have experienced this, is that if you're not careful, your day just goes on and on and on. And the next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and your spouse, if you're lucky, your dog is saying, hey, um, are you ever coming out of there? Mm, yeah. <laughs> What's going on in there? <laughs> I, I, it's so funny. I remember early on speaking with a couple of students. Um, we were having a conversation about something on Zoom, and that was what they were saying, like that they were sitting at the table for 12 and 14 hours till finally a parent was like, you have not moved. You need to get up. You need to yeah. clean yourself up. You need yeah. to eat. You know, it's like- Eat a sandwich, you know, whatever. Yeah. You can easily yeah. fall into the hole um, because we have so many things. And if you're like me, like I've got three different browsers up and- oh, yeah. 50 so many projects. Oh yeah. my God. So many tasks. Yeah. Um, so many so things going on. I think that what's, what's the term in the, in the mindfulness community that I love? Um, I can't remember the research, but it's continuous partial attention. Um, and our cult, I know, isn't it awesome? Yeah. You can like make it a syndrome, right? Like CP, I have CPA. Um, I mean, our culture to a certain sense has CPA, right? We're used to that. We're like in our phones while we're having dinner with somebody. Mm. We're checking Facebook while the teacher is talking to us or, or, you know, tweeting something out or, you know, we're Snapchatting or whatever, whatever folks are doing this week. And, but this has made it so that we're kind of dependent on that. You know, we were using teams and someone's sending us a text-based message. I'm zooming with you and my emails dinging, you know, maybe we're home with other folks who are also working and your spouse or your child comes in and goes, Hey, what are we eating for lunch? You know, you're like, no, yeah. no. So. Just going to say you have a kid on your lap while you're in a meeting, you know, yeah. you're, Half paying attention. And I've, I don't know, personally, I don't know about you, but I've loved that aspect of this. I've loved getting to know a little bit more about people. Like, it's not even just seeing their space like, ooh, let me like, it's not like Room Raider or whatever thing is on Twitter where they kind of evaluate who has the best background. <laughs> it's more like, oh, look, there's that cute little kid and there, oh, there's their cat, there's their dog. Oh, look at those funky things on their bookshelf. Like, I feel like I've gotten to, to know people in a different way and that feels kind of sweet. You know, that's a sweet thing. 
Yeah. I agree. I love that you put, pointed that out. Uh, we have a colleague and she has a little four-year-old. And so sometimes he would wander into the meeting and she would, you know, shush. She'd say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, don't apologize. Like, I love that. It's so sweet to see. So endearing. And it's her real life, you know, and it is a reminder, I think, for all of us, you know, we have to know what people are experiencing. And you and I can sit here and have our little podcast and we're watching each other on Zoom just so everybody knows so I can <laughs> see his lovely face. I hate talking to Same. the void. But, um, you know, if something did, if your dog wandered in, if you're whatever, to me, it just, it's like reality. And I think that that is what has been nice is that we are able to see those raw moments and we can't, we can't change when our little kid needs something or when our dog has to go to the bathroom or, Well, you know. I've said my, my dog Finn was basically like the spring 2020 um, virtual emotional support animal because I think it really did in some ways. It was a comfort to my students. It was like a prediction. They're like, hey, where's Finn today? And I'd have to go get him. You know, they were upset. Uh-huh. Like, and, and pretty much all he does is come in and sleep. And then when he gets sort of like he wants a little, he comes up and the head would come up and they'd be like, oh, you know, this kind of a thing. And I... We didn't have, like most colleges, did not have a physical graduation. We did it virtually. But I did have a student I'd worked with a really long time. And he was joking that he's going to sit out in a lawn chair on his front front lawn. And then his mom sent me an email and said, we're actually doing, we're having everybody drive by in a caravan. Would you come? I was like, they'll come. So I called the college. I'm like, "Is, is there any way that I can get in there? Like, you know, I'll only stay like a few minutes and I'll wear a mask and do the whole thing. Can I get the program banner? Can I get my regalia? And I showed up and gave them the full package. And thank God, I remember at the last minute to put Finn in the back seat. He was super excited. All his neighbors came out. It was the most amazing experience. They were all clapping and cheering. And I'm like, I would just like to let everyone know that I'm here to officially graduate Lewis. And also Lewis is the winner of two academic awards, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, this is so awesome, professor, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, wait, is that Finn? And then I rolled down the window. That was the most exciting thing to him was that Finn was there. I'm like, you don't need, I should have just dropped Finn off. That You didn't even need me today. He goes, no, this is awesome. But that is really awesome because I feel like I know him. And he's like, hey, buddy. And they're like having a moment. So oh. kind of stuff. Isn't it sweet? It's, it's, yes. I, I love that. I love that my students have gotten to see that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think many of us, um, I talked about being present and intentional. It's not something I, I necessarily planned in the beginning of my career. But I've always been willing to come into a college classroom and think out loud and make fun of myself and, you know, sort of edit on the fly. Like I'll say something, oh, that wasn't very clear. Let me say that again. Because I think it's really important for students, especially in those early stages when everything feels really kind of overwhelming and like, wow, to see to see me just being a person thinking out loud mm-hmm. and changing my mind about stuff and being willing to, to correct myself or even be corrected when I say something wrong, you know? And I think we've seen more of that. And I think that has created a... A, a nice kind of connection between faculty and students, you know? I think it's, if you go back to the, I'm going to say olden days, where in college you were connected to a headmaster, to a teacher, you were really living together and you saw their families and and they yeah. were human, right? So yeah. yes, you held them on a pedestal and they were your teacher, but they were human. And then I think most of us, I think there's definitely elements at a lot of universities, they still hold on or prep schools. Yeah. But for the most part, your college, our college, like, Professors are separate. So this has actually humanized and, you know, brought that, oh, that's right. My teacher is a human. They might have a, a pet and a, yeah. And wow, he's I, got like all these funky toys on his desk and, you know, wow. And what's on his bookshelf over there? He really likes monkeys. There's a lot of monkeys in that room. And I think also like, I, I always tell this story when I was teaching at Southern that I ran into a student at a grocery store, like at like the, the local grocery store. And I was like, you know, sort of like in my own world, he's like, 
professor. And I was like, hey, what's up? And he's like, you shop? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And I eat and I go to the bathroom and all kinds of stuff. But I remember that moment in college, especially where I was like, you know, and one of my high school teaching friends used to joke that her students thought they put her away with the erasers that night. <laughs> She'd be horrified if they saw her in town, like, ah, this is so-and-so, you know, like that kind of a thing. I think that's broken that down a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's actually a sweet thing. It's, and it's, I think it helps with learning. I think it makes a space where it's a little bit safer. Um, and I think it's built some relationships with my coworkers too. Like they're like, oh, you're into dogs too? Or, oh, what, what's up with the monkeys or whatever it is. I think it's it goes back to like yoga if you think about it, right? And we look at, you know, the, the Anjali Mudra and the hands coming together yeah. and we have the us and the them, the teacher and yeah. the student, and it's the space in between. And I think it has become more of the space in between that maybe your teacher isn't that different. And you might confess like, oh my God, my dog just needs me to take him out for a second. So you're going to have to, the computer's got to come with me while I open the door. You know, that's human because that's what they're doing. And I, I do think it's sweet. I, I think it's helpful. And like you're saying with that connection, especially what a gift for a virtual student who maybe was intentionally just going to be a virtual student and check out, right? And yeah. let me just do these assignments. Now they have they have a connection, yeah. which they might yeah. not have had in another world. Yeah, I love that about it. So that's one fringe benefit of COVID. That's so cool. All right. So then now we have to get down to the nitty gritty because clearly you've done a lot of amazing things to help your students, which which is brilliant and just understanding the humanity of it all and finding, you know, a way to adapt and be flexible. But how are you taking care of yourself, Steve? This is the, you know, truth. So we're good teachers and we could tell you how to do it, especially as yogis. And, you know, we have a lot of experience, but are we good at practicing what we preach? And so how are you managing self-care? What does self-care mean for you? Like what, what is great happening? Question, is this going to be on the yeah. final? Cause that feels like a final <laughs> yeah, this is the component. It's worth 75% of the answer. No pressure. No pressure. Um, <laughs> I would, so this is something I think about a lot unsurprisingly. Um, mm -hmm. And I would, I, I think I have a pretty good foundation in place. Am I perfect at it? No, I think I was just telling you a story offline about a time when I, you know, I, I was actually just talking about it in our podcast about how I'm perfect at it. Um, so I, I think a lot about this because I also, as a department chair and as somebody who's done faculty development for a really long time, I'm very conscious of the fact that as folks who, who are educators, I, I, I'm not going to overgeneralize. I, I will say that most of the folks that I work with went into this profession because they deeply care about other people and they want to be of service. And that is a noble, wonderful thing. And is a, and a tremendously powerful thing. Um, and again, it's one of those things that can come back and bite you really hard if you're not careful, because if you're not paying attention, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not able to show up for other people. You're just not, you know, like there's that great expression, um, you can't fill from an empty cup, which I've always loved. Um, and I've thrown out to folks and they've been given it back to me when I needed it. Um, and I, that is so important in this time because I think I know in the spring when everything was on fire, right? The world was on fire, almost literally, right? Well, it was at times on fire, literally. Um, and our students were struggling and hurting and, and isolated. And we were so focused on wanting to help that we didn't always do the things we needed to do for ourselves. So I was lucky, Tammy, like this was just, I don't think it was an accident, but it was definitely a synchronicity of some kind. I had signed on to do a daily meditation for a year. And so did I. Yes. I did. And so I was like, I'm a boy who shows up and does my homework. 
<laughs> it was hard. It, it was hard. hard. It was hard. Yes, ma'am. It was hard. <laughs> so I felt like I've, and I was doing so well. And I think so it was July to July, right? So now we're in March and all oh. hell breaks loose. And I'm like, I am showing up every morning and I am doing that thing. And if I mess it up and I don't show it up, show up in the morning, I'm showing up in the afternoon. If I have to show up at 10 o'clock at night, I'm showing up. I'm showing up, you know, whatever. My goal was 30 minutes and most days I made it. But if I couldn't do 30, I'm like, I'm doing 10, I'm doing 15. If it has to be five, I'll do it. But I'm going to, and normally what happens, this is the awesome thing. And I, I think yogis and meditators know this, but I always say the lessons we, that the most important lessons we have to learn over and over again, right? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you realize when you sit down or you get on the mat, you're never like, oh crap, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> exactly. right? you never do that when you do yes, never. you're never like well that was the worst and it sucked to follow my breath to take care of myself wow what a nightmare i want to go drink some more coffee and be stressed out this is terrible no but, i mean it's it's you get this momentum right you're like yeah i want more of that and it's built into us that's the amazing thing like i mean it's all over yoga philosophy we hunger for that it's natural to us to want that so if we just show up a little then some part of us goes Ooh, yeah, more please, more please. So that became a non-negotiable for me. Like it was like, and and mostly I'm gonna be honest, it's because I was like, I got this far and I'm gonna get a perfect score because I'm gonna be that kid. I want the gold star. There wasn't a gold star except for me, like pat myself on the back. But I wanted to, I wanted to show up. I had and it, I had very strong feelings about why we were at a particular cultural moment where folks need to be doing stuff like that. I do believe. Um, here comes the woolly woolly yoga side of me, right? Let's my Texas mm-hmm. say, we're going to get all woolly woolly here. Yes, I do believe there's a huge power in shared intention and doing something together like meditating or prayer, if that's your jam, or both, if that's your jam. Um, and I wanted to keep showing up. Our world is struggling. It was struggling before COVID. And I want, that was a thing I had made a commitment to do. So that was such a powerful um, structure and foundation and gift that I gave myself every single day. Um, so I've been doing these faculty summer camps for online teachers, folks who never taught online, who never thought they would. Um, and one of the things we talked about in the August sessions, we had a theme every month. It was about retention. And so my secret agenda, not so secret, my co-facilitator knew is I was like, we're talking about self-care and we're talking about it hard because Mm. how are you going to help students to take care of themselves and stay the course if you ain't taking care of yourself? Because someone's going to say to you, I couldn't do that assignment. It was too hard. And you're going to be mad and you're going to be nasty. And you're going to write a blazing email or on the discussion board or be in the chat, giving them a hard time. And that's not going to be helpful. So I have a dog. He, he makes me go outside every day and he is a very active little creature. He's sweet and wonderful. And he needs like a good hour, hour and a half every morning. And then I take him out at night. That's another non-negotiable. I take that walk. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I have to like, I set timers, like literally this is, I'm not telling y'all, whoever's out there now, you know my secrets. Uh, <laughs> I set a timer for myself because I will, when I get into a thing, when I'm at heavy in a writing or creative project or I'm prepping a lesson or I'm doing something I'm really jazzed up about, I lose time and I might sit mm. for a good three, four hours. And then I get wow. up, and go, why does the back no longer work the right? So I do these little bursts. I'm like, okay, you got a half hour. And then I stand up and I, I just stretch or move. I have a standing desk that goes up and down. Right. So, yeah. and I have on my desktop right now, a beautiful scene of a sunrise in Mel's Wells, Maine from last week, because I like to be surrounded by natural beauty when I'm working. So it reminds me, I'm like, Oh, I'm more than this feeling I'm having right now. I'm more than this email. I'm more than this complaining student. Cause we do get them sometimes they're great, 
but sometimes y'all complain and that's okay. I get it. I complain too. Um, and you just, and I'm like, okay, so let me deal with this. So I, I think what I was saying to folks in this camp was what you got to think about as we're starting this semester, as we're starting the next chapter of this adventure, those of us who are working online, which is many of us, students, faculty, people in all kinds of professions that they were like, how do you even do this? online?" And they figure it out. What are your non-negotiables going to be? Right? Like, we're not all, l- listen, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that I am going to work out for three hours every day, seven days a week, because I'm setting myself up for failure. If I right. do that, I'm going to feel like a rock star. But I could say, I'm going to take a walk every single morning. I'm going to meditate every single day. Even if that meditation is, I sit for five minutes and follow my breath, or I turn on classical music and close my eyes. Whatever is comfortable for you, it doesn't have to be anybody's particular school. Um, and I think that's the other thing for me that I have, it's this powerful lesson I have to keep relearning. If you don't have an hour, you have five minutes and five minutes makes a huge difference. Right. Oh my God. So, so true. I mean, the thing is that non-negotiable, we, we tend to make it too epic. That's our, I, I'm going to say that's how we supersize everything in the U S it's like, just like you said, three hours or it's not worth it. And I think this has made a lot of us reevaluate the way we've approached some things yeah. because a, we don't have the attention span, Absolutely. you know, we don't have the bandwidth anymore. And then there were too many things happening. So yes, it sounds so simple, but that five minutes can be so, so powerful. So knowing, like really intentionally knowing what your non-negotiables, and I love that that way you've articulated it. Um, and people might not know like all of these little things. So I can see where Steve is in his office is so stunningly beautiful as a gorgeous uh-huh. color paint on his wall, but he showed me his beautiful candle that's next to him. And he talked about his screensaver. So I think those little things too, we forget, like I'm at my kitchen table. I made it a point that I would buy myself flowers every week. And so I had flowers on the kitchen table when I worked, right? So it sounds so frivolous, you know, in some ways, but to me, that was just natural beauty. And it was that reminder that I, I needed, I needed that introspective piece of nature and, and loving myself and purchasing something for myself, right? So five minutes is so powerful. Right. So I love, um, I and, love. And since I'm a yoga nerd and, and I know Tammy doesn't relate to this at all, not at all, <laughs> but I love when Western science catches up with yoga. That to me is like, I go crazy. <laughs> My yoga students will tell you, and hey, listen to this study and it proves what the blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, so he's going to be on that this class. That's what we're doing. Um, it's the geek in us, the great. little yoga geek in like, us. All this Western research that backs that up, like literally being conscious for one breath it immediately has an impact on the whole physiology. Like that's awesome. So imagine what five minutes would do. So my problem is, and you can, you can, you got, y'all can probably tell from the example I gave before, I have to show up like epically. I love epic, Tammy. (laughs) I'm I'm taking that away. I'm going to steal that. Uh, Epically, or maybe I'm not going to show up at all. So I'm like, well, I don't have 21 hours a week to work out. So forget it. I'll just land and feel miserable. But I do have a half hour to take a walk. And that's enough. That's something. And I can't tell you how many things I've worked out in this time, in the course of my life, in the shower. And <laughs> right? So giving yourself time, like, here's another thing. Take a freaking shower. Nobody's going to see you, but signal to yourself that you're starting your work or your school day and take a nice, long, luxurious shower and then wear whatever the heck you want. But change right. your pajamas. Right? back on. Yeah. And you know, yeah. take the little commute upstairs to take a shower in my house, take the little commute downstairs and you feel like you went somewhere. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I do my best thinking 
shower moments. That's when I remember things I forgot. The second I roll out my yoga mat and I sit down and I just let things settle. Absolutely. You know, everyone thinks it's like quieting the mind. And yes, that that's part of it. And I, I am going to get more present. But in between that, my brain is dumping. And when it's dumping, yeah. it's it's allowing me to process some things, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh, this just this morning, I grabbed my phone and I'm like calling myself, leaving a voice message before my yoga practice. So I didn't forget what had just popped into my head, right? So absolutely, it, yeah, it's these little... So- it's so interesting, like this whole idea of, I, I don't know why I keep coming back. This word is very much in my mind today, but it's about navigating. And I think what yoga has taught me so powerfully is, I mean, I've, I've had really dark times in my life where yoga class was the only time I felt okay. Mm. And so sometimes, and I felt okay in the sense that like, oh, things are not really okay right now. And that's okay. And that's <laughs> like okay. there's something yeah. here. So there might be, and I, there might be a time at this particularly difficult time in my life where the only time I felt okay was like for two or three minutes on the mat. And honestly, I would come back every single class for that two or three minutes. It was worth it to me for that two or three minutes. Cause that might be the only two, three minutes in the day that I was like, Oh, there's something in me that's beyond all this hurt and pain and upset right now. So, and that's a reality for so many folks. I mean, you know, faculty, students, workers, people all over the place that we have to, it's okay to feel sad and to be upset and to be anxious. And if you weren't anxious, you're not paying attention. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it's, it's about titrating that, right? That's what yoga is always teaching me. You Mm -hmm. can't sit in that upset all the time, or you can't function, but you also can't be like, it's all good. Cause it's, it's maybe not all the time all good. Right. And when you look at the science, like that opportunity to calm the nervous system, even if it's two, three minutes, is so impactful yeah. in the physical body that it it does make you feel better. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we talk about the woo-woo meeting the science. Like that, that's what it's about. It's you know, sympathetic nervous system and and how it's we safe, need to right? it's there later on when you're in that meeting on Zoom and someone says something, you're like, oh, that guy again. And you're like, oh, that guy again. Yeah. And then you, some part of you goes, oh, there it is. Am I going to am I gonna bite the hook, as Emma Children says? Or am I going to let that one go? Not a hill I need to die on. Okay, next. Because you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I took my walk and I did my meditation. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, right? And, and again, we definitely have to go back to small is good. Just small, a couple couple minutes to breathe, a couple minutes of space, whatever that looks like for anyone, whether it's Free yoga with your dog, poses, right? Yeah, anything, anything in any way. Um, I have to ask you another question. You know, I have questions. Like things okay, that I bring it, sister. Um, so who do you have a support system? Like who have you needed during this time? What have you needed? How have you reached out? Has it been different than maybe I'm going to say, I hate to use the word normal. So I'm not going to say that in maybe prior to March, has that shifted at all? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, some, some of the, some of the foundational non-negotiables are still the same. Um, I have a, a really loving partner and we support each other. So he's been on a split section, uh, split schedule. So okay. he goes in one day and they have like 50% capacity and then he's home working. So that's mm-hmm. been an interesting thing to speaking of navigating, like two folks in the house working and zooming and doing all their stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Also um, having, having a dog is really, it's been a great emotional support for me. It kind of keeps things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um I think I have made a really conscious effort and I I think I'm I'm speaking to my faculty friends here particularly, but it applies to lots of folks. Teaching can be really isolating um, because you're in a room 
with with people or and you're in a space with people now, a virtual space, and you're all sharing an experience, but you're having a different experience. You're facilitating an experience, right? Mm-hmm. So we all have those folks we go to when we're on campus or when the studio is open and we're like, what do you do when a student does this? Or how do you handle this? Or do you have a way to teach that? Um, or I'm just really having a hard day and these people are giving me a headache. Um, whatever it is, right? And so I have made very, um, we're having a de- our first department meeting of the semester. We had our faculty-wide meeting. And the main one of the big things on my agenda is, how are you all going to stay connected? Because we're starting online. So um, I have, I have uh, close colleagues who live alone that I've made a particular effort to reach out to, and that's been mutually beneficial. We've done um, WebEx and Zoom and FaceTime happy hours. Mm-hmm. Um, now that things have opened up a little bit, I've met with folks outside. I just made a lunch date with a colleague that I literally haven't seen since February to just oh. sit outside and see each other's faces and be like, I, you know, that's been, that's been a really hard thing for me. Not, I'm a hugger. It's hard for me not to be able to hug. So Same. I do a lot of like arms wide out, like, I, I wish I could. So it's like this, you know, that's kind of and one of my friends who I, I saw a few times over the summer, one day she was just like, she just came by and as she was leaving, she just poked me really hard in the shoulder. I was like, ow. And she goes, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I don't think you're going to get COVID from that. I just need to touch you for a second. I'm like, totally with you. Totally fine. And then so, it was like, oh, I kind of liked that. So I think it's, so I think it's being, again, it's like this, you, you used the word intentional before. I think it's, it's being more intentional about things that can happen more organically in a physical mm-hmm. space. Like I just talked to a colleague before we did this, who said to me, I just miss all of you all. Like I miss like walking by your office and the doors open and going, what the heck was going on with that? You know, or, oh, I just had a cool thing happen to me. Or, oh, did you see these socks I got? You know, like all of those weird little interactions that make us feel human and connected to one another. Now mm-hmm. we have to think about a little bit more. So I think the key thing for me is like knowing, you know, I, I have wonderful, wonderful neighborhoods. I have an, uh, neighbors and, and wonderful neighborhood where folks take care of each other. Oh, so, so nice. talking across the lawn, I walk with my neighbor at least a few times a week. She adores my dog. I think she secretly loves him more than me and comes over just for it. And I'm I just mean, kind of a fringe benefit. I think everyone does at this point from what I've already heard about Finn. It's all about he's, him. He's kind of a celebrity. He's kind of a big deal. So that's been helpful. And just, we can't be together as closely physically as we like, but it doesn't mean we can't connect. And I think we really have to look for those opportunities, especially while the weather holds. So summer has been wonderful for me in the way that I'm seeing more people and I can go sit on a deck somewhere and eat and feel Mm. safe um, and feel fine. And, and folks, I have some good friends who have serious immunocompromised situations. And so finding my my friend had her birthday and we went down the hill. She lives not far away. And we, we, we set a whole thing up outside on her patio way away from her. We all wore our masks and we sang and like, so just finding those little moments of human connection that, they're not the same, but they have some of the same things that we need. And we're yeah. just going to have to do them differently for a while, I think. I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I think we're going to be doing things differently for a while. So, And they can still be super impactful, you yeah. know, like you're saying. It's, it's, it is different. I think for all of us, we're not we're not good at change. We really liked the way we had things. And so I think we're kind of angry and saying like, well, that's not how I like to do it. And <laughs> like you're saying, we have no choice. Like it's yeah. it's it's figuring out away the poking like it doesn't feel like a hug but it was contact and it was a a moment right it was a moment i was like you could poke me again (laughs) mask on yeah you could oh my god i love that i too i I think it's so the support system for me is like is being deliberate about reaching out and also 
we all have, it's all, and again, Western science backs this up. Yoga knew this for a long time, but Western science backs it up. We have a need innate in us to care for other people. So for me, reaching out to my colleague who lives alone and maybe might be feeling a little bit isolated and, and making a deliberate effort to be like, hey, what's up? I know you're up by yourself. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel connected. It makes me feel like I'm still my human self. Like I'm still reaching out in the ways that I can. So yeah. it's really, it, it all, it keeps coming back to connection, right? And, and if right. I've learned anything or deepened my understanding of anything, it's that. Like how powerful and absolutely vital that is to us as human beings and how we suffer when we can't have it. You know, or when we can't figure out a way to it. And look at all the stuff people are doing, Tammy, like all over the world. It's so amazing. Like amazing, amazing way. Like I've just heard yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm walking the dog, doing my non-negotiable and listening to NPR um, in my headphones, multitasking, probably not so good, but multitasking. And what I, what I hear in this report is so great. It's the New York Philharmonic. They miss giving concerts for people. They're like, well, we did the Zoom and that was awesome. Driving around New York in a pickup truck. And giving concerts because they wanted the immediate reaction from from the audience and so you hear all of these wonderful stories there was that famous viral video of all the musicians in italy on their balcony singing and playing amazing amazing they're so, all so amazing and in a way isn't that a support system it's it's the taking a moment to notice humans are pretty dang ingenious like we can figure out a way to do a thing <laughs> we're, we're no joke when we put our minds to something we're gonna figure it out it's so cool. Love that. We do have capacity, which is yeah. great. Yeah. All right. So I have one final question. Okay. I've been asking everyone this as well. And so, again, I know, I know you as a human and, and we're very similar and I know we're good friends to people and we know how to hold space, right? We can be honest without sugarcoating something. And so if somebody comes to us and is like, oh my God, I did this and it's yeah. so bad. You're like, no, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. But we can be honest and we could also share like, it's okay. And we're going to learn and we're going to grow from it. And we're going to move on. So Absolutely. now I have to ask, are you a good friend to yourself? And can you treat yourself in that same way? Do you look in the mirror and are you like, Steve, you said that you were going to do this and you didn't sit and meditate today? Or can you say, okay, that's remember that you're non-negotiable and how can you just take a deep breath and fit that in? Like, are you a good friend to yourself? Um, mostly, but not always. Okay. So I would say okay. I'm a much better friend to myself than I was a number of years ago. And I would thank in large part yoga and meditation for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and also really like smart, thoughtful people who are like, do you see what you're doing there? Like people I trusted who could be like, yeah. I really care about you. And that is not working, buddy, <laughs> my friend, yeah. my dear, whatever it might be. Um, so I, this is a thing I know about folks who are in the helping professions. In my experience, many of us are super hard on ourselves. Yeah. Like we do the thing, but it's not enough. We should have helped more. We should have listened better. Um, we should have been more present to that issue or that idea or whatever. And we're constantly kind of like, a hot. and it again, it's such an interesting thing to me. So many things that are so helpful and wonderful and sweetly motivated can also turn on us and, and hurt us. So that's a thing I have to be aware of. And it's like, I, I think one of the things I do best, one of the ways I'm the best friend to myself is I have zero problem laughing at myself. Like, I, and I, that tells me that I'm okay. If I can kind of go, well, that was something what you just did right there. Wow. Oh boy. That, that didn't work out for you so well, did it? And sometimes that doesn't happen in the moment. I'd like to say it happens immediately, you know, and I, and I float away on a pink cloud of namaste and it's all good. Right? <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes I'm like, this is unacceptable. What were you thinking? And then a couple minutes go by and I'm like, that's actually kind of funny. Like, <laughs> thinking, like you know, and so, 
And, and some of this stuff is really humbling. Like you, you talked about sort of the technical thing being kind of like a heavy lift for a lot of us. And even though I was yeah. teaching online, I've learned all kinds of new things. Also, we had so many people online, like maybe the internet didn't work quite right. Our internet went down and I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. You know, I realized my sound quality was bad and then I got the found, fancy microphone, which was really cool. I gave myself a gift too. Um, but being able to kind of laugh at myself and see myself do funny things and actually watch back a video I made for my students and see myself do some offhanded thing and go, I don't need to edit that because that's human. And it's actually kind of amusing to me. And what I'm showing to my students is I had a really good colleague who's very much very uh, an embodied kind of back and forth in the moment teacher in the classroom. He's like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. This is right when we made the pivot. He does a video. It's kind of a mess, like objectively. And he knew it was a mess. Right, so right, right. The, the material is great, but he, like the camera goes off kilter. Suddenly he's not in the frame. He's zooming around to getting dizzy. And, but all the information was there. He corrects it. He does what he has to say. And he goes, okay, so I put this up on YouTube. He goes, I, I totally have to redo it, right? And I was like, no, you should leave it exactly as it is. Because the mistakes you made didn't interfere with, with what you were teaching. But what they showed your students was who you are. When I saw that person, I said, oh, that's my friend. I, I, I see him being himself. It made me instantly feel connected to you. So I think that's the way I'm a good friend. I, I, I know that about myself. Like, that's what folks, folks don't want perfect people. They don't want to hang out with perfect people. We want to admire them from afar. We're like, wow, fill in celebrity. They seem yeah. perfect. But we really like when they trip on the red carpet. Like, who was that? <laughs> he fell down the stairs. I was like, Jennifer Lawrence, I love you. And then she's <gasps> laughing at herself because that's a real thing. I've done it. I'll do it again for sure. Um, so I think in that way, I have a real clear perspective that nobody has this all figured out. Right. And so I can be mad at myself about a thing and then I can really laugh about it pretty heartily. And I might sit with the thing even for a few days and then be eventually I'll come back and go, was it not great? Yeah. Were you mean to that person or were you not so nice to yourself or did you really screw up that project? Yeah. Ultimately, does it matter all that much? Probably not. So have you, you know, flagellated yourself enough now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love all that, especially the your your confession about perfectionism. And I definitely think we we do laugh and find humor and we want to see that. But at the same time, when it when we turn that camera lens on ourselves, yeah. you know, it's oh, but I have to be perfect, you know. So I I love that realization and that honesty because I think we need to remind ourselves more often that you know, we don't expect perfection all the time from others. So why would we ever, you know, expect it a hundred percent from ourselves? Well, I sometimes describe myself as a recovering perfectionist. I'll usually tell a student that, that I see the same qualities and I'm like, Oh no, I see you. I know what this is about. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. I've lived it. I will do it again. And that's the other thing. That's the great thing about being human and the frustrating thing. You're going to learn it and then you're going to have to relearn it. Right. For sure. Over and over and over. That is just the way we operate, right? And then my landline that I never use and telemarketers call on goes off. You know, a podcast. I'm going to beat myself up over that. No, I'm not. I'm going to laugh about it. Sorry, Tammy. <laughs> so. I don't even think our listeners would hear. Good. So it never happened. Um, Oh my God, Steve, you've shared so many wonderful little bits of information just as you explain your life, right? So not even having to say, here's Steve's prescription of how to take better care of yourself. I have a PowerPoint. Hold on. No, <laughs> no, honestly, it's been lovely. And and that's our, our hope with this is that someone hears and, you know, can take a deep breath more frequently, can give themselves more permission, can just find a small little tidbit from somebody else who might have had a similar experience and 
gosh, you're so fun. I miss like, this just reminds me how much I miss you. And usually Steve and I run into each other on a yoga mat at a workshop and it is a big, there's a lot of hugging. You go to a yoga workshop. Yeah. And for me, it's like about, I need to clear 20 minutes for the hugging going from mat to mat. Oh my God. And then having a little conversation. He um, always has a line to get yeah. to him too. Just no, no, so you no, know, no. like everybody's got to get there to we're, hug him. We're talking. So <laughs> I think what you're doing is wonderful too, because I think it's a way, it's such a great time for folks to be thinking about these things in such an important time. Um, and again, I, I think we kind of don't have a choice, but to look at some of this stuff, right? We have to, like the world kind of, threw us a big old curveball. So it's yeah. it's tough, but it's also maybe an opportunity in some ways if we're lucky enough to have the space and the support system to explore that. So Absolutely. And this Absolutely. was fun. This didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't like I was like, oh, Barbara Walters, I better be really sick. It was like, oh, I'm talking to Tammy. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> she oh had, my gosh, had hard, funny. hard questions, y'all. But I'm giving you such a big hug right now. Um, I, can't, I can't wait till it can be in person again. And I, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for you taking time out of your day because I know we all have a lot going on. So I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again, friends, for spending time with Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. As your host, Tammy Riley, I am really grateful to you and to our guests for the time they're spending in nurturing themselves and learning more about self-care. I'd like to give a special thanks to the team, Michael Bachman, the producer, David DeRoche, the executive producer, and Heather Popovics on social media. And thank you to Scott Holmes for the theme music. To learn more about our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You also can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at qupodcasts. And feel free to send us an email at qupodcasts at qu.edu. Next week, I'm bringing my friend Catalina Regelman from Catalina's Bakery in New Haven Kathy is full of energy and deep strength. It's rooted in all she does. She's truly an inspiration. And she will share her philosophy on this rooted and groundedness in all areas of her life, which help her weather the storms that certainly come to pass for all of us. Tune in for a sweet treat with Kathy. Until then, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your best friend. <laughs>